Oh, yeah. Coming up, I got John Jastrzemski from WFAN. JJ, I've been listening to WFAN for years. Everyone who listens to my podcast knows I'm a huge WFAN guy. So having a guy like JJ on is super cool for me. He was super fun. He's high energy. We talk Super Bowl bets. We talk Super Bowl preview, whole bunch of other stuff. All that coming up right after a word from Anchor. All right, joining the show now from JJ After Dark, the host, John Jastrzemski. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. I, I wish there was a more uh, elaborate JJ After Dark team. You know, I may have to put, uh, you know, my guys and my gals who work, you know, as a part of the show is like a big part of this collaborative effort. So thanks. It's a pleasure to be on, man. What's happening? Exactly. Well, one thing that is happening, you said yesterday, is a blizzard down in New York. I came up from... Uh, from florida last night but you were you come back i mean let me show you right there you come back to this crap i would have stayed down there for another week or two you've been better off i tried to push off my flight i actually did i tried to extend the trip and i couldn't find any flights and that was that so um everything was fully booked up because everything was so delayed but you were out yesterday in the blizzard getting iced coffee i'm totally with it man i got my iced coffee here don't take the crap very nice i just finished up another one today was Today was nothing, though. It was like 35 degrees today. I mean, it actually, my cup, believe it or not, did not freeze on the walk back. Yesterday, I had, like, the snow and, like, the ice particles on top of the lid. So, yeah, 365, man. Iced coffee all day, every day. Amen to that. I'm with you. Over to sports, though, you get the, like the pulse of the people because working at WFAN, you get the pulse of what's going on in New York sports. What do you feel right now about New York sports? I feel that in a city, such a great city, I think maybe I'm spoiled, but I feel like there's no great teams right now in New York. The team should be better than they are now. Yeah. I mean, that's been a problem and that's kind of been a product of the last couple of years. Um, I, I think the Yankees are obviously the class in New York. I, I'm not just saying that as a guy, as a Yankee fan, it's just reality. They've been in the playoffs the last four years. They have a whole lot of star power. They are without a doubt to me, the team that is closest to a championship. If we're going to have that conversation, I guess the Nets would be right there. But as you and I both know, you know, the Yankees, they're not New York successful and the Nets being successful. Yeah. It's like an entirely different stratosphere. Um, but, you know, I'm actually going to take a little bit more of an optimistic look at things because you feel like with the Mets and the Knicks, they're moving in the right direction. I, I'm not going to say all three of those teams are, like, ready to go and win a championship, Mets being the closest of the three, but new head coach for the Jets, new head coach for the Knicks, Knicks actually not looking like a total dumpster-fired dysfunctional circus. So, listen, you got to crawl before you can walk. but I actually think the overall state of New York sports is making some, dare I say, improvement. It definitely looks like that. One place where you are not a New York sports fan is the Miami Dolphins. You're a huge Dolphins fan. How did that come about? Yeah, man. So you got to remember something. So I'm born in 88. And like those formative years of me being a football fan are like 1995, 1996. And let me take you back. The Jets were an embarrassment. They were a three-win team and a one-win team. Just got awful under Kotite. Then you had the Giants, who were a couple of years removed from winning the Super Bowl with Hostetler and, you know, going and beating Buffalo and Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly and that team. 
but they were as boring as can be, man. I mean, it was Dave Brown, Danny Cannell, just like one of the most miserable teams for like a seven or an eight-year-old to get into. So the Dolphins had cool uniforms, they had Dan Marino, they were involved in Ace Ventura. So as a seven-year-old kid, dude, the rest is they say in the business is history. Well, there's a different Florida team that's in the Super Bowl now, and that's the Bucks. We're kind of glad that we don't have to root so hardly against Tom Brady anymore. I'm a Jets fan. You're a Dolphins fan. We had him in the division for so long. What do you think is going to happen in the Super Bowl? I'm looking forward to this game. Let's start right there. I mean, Michael Irvin said it with me a couple of weeks ago, and it's not grammatically correct, but you just kind of got to roll with it. It's the old GOAT new goat in many ways because listen Tom Brady is the best I've ever seen do it uh you know what he's done over 20 years the fact that at 43 he looks better than he did physically when he was 23 I mean it's insane to think about everything that Brady has done over his career and you could make the argument this is one of the great accomplishments of his career because he left you know that safe haven of being with Bill Belichick he left the only football place professionally that he had ever known. And it was, listen, a brilliant decision. I don't think Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl right now. If he stayed in New England for another year. Um, so, listen, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is the better player at this point in their careers. He's the best player in all football. But anytime you got Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and anytime you have a defense that can get after the quarterback, the idea that this is going to be some sort of lopsided, you know, blowout type of game, I don't see that. I don't see that one bit. Well, Brady doesn't play in blowouts, meaning he's always going to be in the game. You feel like when he's when he's in the Super Bowl and any game he's in, he's always in it. He's always, whether it's his defense or someone else helping him out, What part of what makes him the GOAT is the fact that he's always in those games, right? No doubt about it. I mean, listen, for three plus decades, it's funny. I had Rich Gannon on the show yesterday. And if you remember, Rich Gannon played in the tuck rule game. Rich Gannon was like the premier quarterback at that time. So I asked him, I go, what is it like for you as a guy who went up against Tom Brady in his first ever playoff game to now sit here almost 20 years later as we were getting bombarded with snow like they did up in New England on that given night? And to see this guy still playing, like, that would that would be, like, such a mind-you-know-what, man. Like, it, it would throw me for such a loop thinking about the fact that, you know, I played against this guy. It was almost, what, 20 years ago, and he's still churning. He's still cooking. I know the league has changed. I know, you know, you don't hit the quarterbacks like you once did. 43, and he's still doing this. And I'm done doubting whether or not this is, like, his last chance of winning one because – I don't think he's retiring next year or the following year. So, you know, in a wide open NFC, why the hell not? Brady could go and get to another Super Bowl or two. Why not? Yeah. And he'll retire on top. He doesn't seem like he's the type of guy who's going to slow down. He'll win Super Bowls till the day he's done. Right. It's not going to be a Peyton Manning. Situation. I mean, that's the sense I get, or he's going to keep playing in it. And, you know, you think about quarterbacks who like stuck around too long, like Peyton Manning won in his final year. And I'm sure he's very happy about that. The last year of Peyton Manning, I mean, he looked like a corpse. And I get it. It was the neck. You know, he had a lot of, you know, physical ailments working against him. But, I mean, he was throwing, you know, ducks all over the place. Breeze this year. Breeze, and I know he had some issues physically. He looked terrible. Like, Brady, what you notice now, he can throw it just as good as he did 10 years ago. 
But where I notice the difference with Tom is when you pressure him, and that was always the case, but even more so now, he does not want to get hit. So if you get to him, you're going to see Tom make decisions that maybe he wouldn't have made 10 years ago because he's 43. It's like, I, I can't be taking those beatings that I once did. And that's why if you're Kansas City, you got to just hit him, hit him, and hit him some more. I think that's you know pretty simple blueprint. Make them uncomfortable. Yeah, and something that in the first half of the Green Bay game, the Packers did not do enough. In the second half, they definitely did that. And you saw Brady played poorly. But Brady gets that penalty call in the last play of the game every time. You know, people can complain about it all they want, but Brady always gets that call, right? Yeah, and listen, it was a penalty. I mean, the fact that they officiated game one way for three quarters and then kind of changed that in the final five or six minutes of the game, you don't love that. But, I mean, I've watched the play, I don't know about you, like 10, 20 times. You see a queer hold. You see, you know, a queer grab. And listen, Green Bay, I I wouldn't want to hear the excuses if I'm Green Bay. Green Bay had multiple chances down five. If you get three Tom Brady interceptions in the second half, you don't score. You don't win. Your coach is cowardly and he's kicking a field goal down eight. You don't deserve to win. Point blank. Agreed. Do you have any prediction for the game on Sunday? Who do you think? Wow. Um, I'm going to save this on the air for Friday night. I got we'll call you. call that a little tease in the radio business. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a little hint. My heart says Tampa Bay, which sounds crazy because, you know, you're a Jet fan. I'm a Dolphin fan. It's like you're rooting for Tom Brady. Yes. Not only because I have money on the Buccaneers from, you know, back in December and I got a good price on them. But, like, now that Brady has left New England, it does not bother me that he's going to go and win more. I'm sorry. It, it just doesn't. Like, if anything, Patriot fans now are going to be watching this and they're going to be saying, damn, now I got to go see Tom Brady maybe win a Super Bowl in a Buccaneer jersey? Like, good. Like, they have won enough. Let them go and see the Golden Boy do it elsewhere. And that can kind of irritate them a little bit. So, I'm a, listen, my heart says Tampa. I think there are paths for Tampa to win the game, but going up against Patrick Mahomes is awfully, awfully tough. So, listen, you'll uh, you'll have to find out Friday at, what, 1040 at night or 1140, whenever the hell I'm doing picks. That's when we'll unveil the official Super Bowl pick, I promise. Yeah, so I always said all year, my two rules for betting this year, don't bet against Brady and don't bet against Mahomes. So now I'm lost. What do you do now? Well, you got to bet against one of these guys. And listen, you're right. I've bet on Tampa in every three of their playoff games. I bet Kansas City in their two playoff games. In fact, I don't think I've bet against Mahomes in a playoff game going all the way back, dude, to his first playoff game. If you remember, they took on Indianapolis. That was the last game Andrew Luck ever played. We didn't know it at the time. And I didn't I didn't think Indy would win, but I thought I think the line was like six, six and a half. So I snagged the points. Uh, but since then I've been riding Mahomes every game. So one thing you gotta realize with Kansas City, they're never out of a game. Hill, Kelsey, they're basically unguardable, and you can't blitz them. It's tough to deal with if you're a defense, but these injuries and COVID stuff on the chief offensive line, that could be problematic here. To me, that is the path for Tampa winning this game. We're talking Barrett. We're talking JPP. We're talking Devin White. They need to be able to generate pressure without sending, like, the house on Mahomes. Could you blitz him? He's picking you apart. Yeah, so you are a betting guy. You like to sports bet. What are some other props you're looking at for the Super Bowl? 
I mean, dude, there's so much to get into. Um, I think the biggest challenge for anybody out there is there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of props. So like from that standpoint, it can be, you know, no pun intended, a little overwhelming. So what I always suggest is find two or three guys that you like, identify their market. Don't try to go with the trendy guys because listen, everyone's going to be betting Hill. Everyone's going to be betting Kelsey. Those numbers, I think you're going to get inflated a little bit. And I think you're going to lose out on some value. And just in general, people want to root for overs. People do not like rooting for unders. Take that into account and find unders that you like because I think you'll find value. I'm not saying just blindly bet unders. But if you get, you know, a first half under might be appealing. First quarter under. I always like that in Super Bowl games because you have the week off. You have all this craziness throughout the week. It's a little different this year with COVID. But teams normally come out very sluggishly in these games. And if you look at Brady's Super Bowls historically, with the exception of the Eagle-Pat game, a lot of low-scoring games. Like a crazy amount. So, First half, first quarter under is something to think about. Well, I'd like to see a high-scoring game, especially with Mahomes and that offense. It looks like this would be the type of game that is high-scoring. So moving on to your football team, though, they're not in the Super Bowl. They were good this year, but they didn't make the playoffs. They have a chance to get a great quarterback. I promised my friend I'd get you to say this on the show. So first, what is the name of the Dolphins' current quarterback? What school did he come out of? Well, he's two out of Alabama. Saying that last name is a mouthful. And it's pronounced Tungo Viola or Viola, whatever the hell it is. I don't even know, man. I two a T is a lot easier. Listen, we don't we are not in the business of pronouncing names. So maybe if I have two on the show, he can like talk me through the pronunciation, but two a T works for me. Do you have confidence in Tua going forward, or would you look at other avenues? Yeah, I mean, listen, I do. Um, Deshaun Watson, though, is a different breed. Like, this goes for 90% of the teams, I think, in the NFL. If you have the opportunity to go and get Deshaun Watson, you're going to do it, point blank. Um, I would say there are maybe four or five teams that would not be in that sort of conversation. Um, but... Tua coming off a rookie early won, what, six games? And, you know, he was up and down. It was not great. He was not terrible. And, you know, he went on with Adam Sean, I want to say yesterday, doing radio hits uh, down at Radio Row and basically said I was below average. So I think the Dolphins got to get more playmakers <laughs> around them. I think they got to play the Tua's strengths a lot more, which is his mobility. Uh, I think they got to open up the passing game a lot more and stretch it down the field. And I think you'll know by the end of next year, without question, if you have your guy and there's something to work with, well, you don't. Got to see a lot more going into the second year, though. And my I, my bet would be like an 80%, 85% chance you'll see two in next year starting for the Dolphins. The only way you don't is if they go and get Deshaun Watson. Like, it's as simple as that. It is Watson or Tua. There's no drafting. There's no other conversation. One of those two guys is the Dolphin quarterback, period. Well, I'd love to see Watson come to my Jets, obviously, and come to New York. Um, Tua, I think, has a long, great career ahead of him. You've had a great career in the radio industry. You're now doing JJ After Dark at WFN for a bunch of years. Talk about your career in the industry. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's crazy to think about. I started at FAN in 2011, which 
to be honest, seems like another lifetime ago. It kind of seems like in a galaxy far, far away, to quote, uh, you know, the beginning of the Star Wars movies. And, you know, for a laugh, I was going back yesterday, maybe the day before that, I was feeling a little nostalgic. I looked at some old clips that I did back in Syracuse, and it's like, holy shit, dude. I mean, just like, I talk fast now. I talked a hundred times faster when I was just getting started. But like you pick up on this stuff and, you know, you learn and you develop and you mature over time. And, you know, I got my start very young. I was given a great opportunity. And, you know, the key in radio or in television or in any form of life is when you get that opportunity, you got to make the most of it. So, you know, we grinded away for a long time, one day a week two days a week, then you get more shows a couple days a week. And you just kind of have to be of the mindset that it's not going to happen overnight. Like you have to look at your career and like a long-term type of prism um, and things change. And obviously your priorities change. And listen, the business has changed. I, I think about where I was in radio when I started in 2011 and where the business is at right now. It's night and day. It's crazy how different it is. So got to be adaptable. Got to be able to, you know, roll with the punches. And the biggest piece of advice I give to a lot of young broadcasters out there, don't pigeonhole yourself into one type of platform. Like, and I made this mistake early in my career where I was like, oh, I'm a radio guy. This is what I'm going to do. No, like you could be on camera. And I think we're seeing that now in COVID. You have writing ability. Do it. You have this. You got to have that sort of versatility within your game because I think it makes you far more appealing to people who want to bring you in. Well, you talked about change in the industry. In that building alone, there's been a lot of change over the last few years. The newest news coming out from WFN is now Mark Chernoff is retiring. That came out yesterday or something. At There were probably points during that time when whether it was Craig leaving or Craig coming back, Mike leaving, Joe leaving – that you were like, hey, maybe this is where I'll get to morning drive or afternoon drive or midday. Is this something, is that something you had your eyes on or do you love your role where you are now? I mean, listen, I love what I'm doing. So make no mistake. I'm very happy. I'm very thankful I have the platform that I have. I don't see myself as a morning host per se because it's a very, to me, different type of show that you need to do. Um, listen, the midday and the afternoon, of course you have your eye on it. How, how, how could you not? I'd be lying if I said otherwise, but there's a certain type of show that I need to be able to do. And it's not me working by myself. I I've worked with plenty of partners. I've had no problem with that. But to me, radio is organic. You watch games, whether it's the Jets, the Giants on a football Sunday, during the baseball season, you watch the Yankees and the Mets. To me, Radio and having successful radio, you and your partner, your co-host, your producer, you watch the games, you're prepared, you go on the mic, let it rip. The idea of basically rehearsing and pre-staging what you're going to talk about is bad radio. There's no other way around it. Like, I should not know, like, if you and I are doing a show together, let's say, and, you know, we both watched the Yankee and the Met game. I got to be honest. I really don't want to know all of your thoughts on the game until we get on the air. 
because if I know now, maybe I'll see a tweet here, a tweet there. But if I know what you're going to say, you know, it changes the dynamic of what you're looking to do. It's not television. You don't need B-roll. You don't need to get like graphics that you're going to put up. That is where to me, radio is, it needs to be done a certain way. And to me, that organic element, the best shows have it. The shows that to me are kind of like way too formulaic and way too structured. That's something I do not want to be a part of. It's just not what I want to do. You got to have that back and forth. That's way more free flowing. Yeah. That's something that, um, I've started to notice with the podcast as well, where at the beginning I was scripting it, like writing everything down and I'm only at this for a couple of months now. And then, you know, I started working towards, okay, I'm going to kind of just maybe make footnotes or something, you know, be almost Bingo. less prepared. And listen, everybody, and everybody's different too. Like I'm not, I'm not saying don't come prepared. That That's one thing that I think people might miss on, you know, the point I'm trying to make. Of course I'm prepared. I, I, I watch every game known to man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come on here. I'm never going to make an ass of myself. You know what I mean? I might in other ways, but as far as like what I saw and what my opinions may be, I like it, but you're never going to listen to me after like a big football Sunday and be like, did JJ watch the games last night? Or, you know, did, did JJ, you know, uh, go for a walk for 10 hours? No, yeah. you may not agree, but you're going to know that I'm ready to go. So that's important. Like you got to know stepping into a show that that is going to be something that you're taking care of. And listen, when I first started, I bullet pointed a lot of stuff when I was at Syracuse. I used to do that a lot. Like I used to, you know, not like, I wouldn't script points, but I'd have like bullet points in front of me kind of as a, you know, reference resource. And I'll occasionally like jot down the stat if I want to stress it. Like I'll give you an example. The Yankees can't get a big hit in the playoffs. And they're like, I don't know, like one for 15 with runners in scoring position. I might jot down in my phone one for 15 because I want to stress that over and over again. Uh, but as far as like, you know, running through the ins and outs of a game, no, I, I, I don't want that because if anything will – kind of interrupt and kind of throw me off my rhythm more than anything, to be honest. Right. I feel that. And with you, I think Gio, Greg Giannotti said about you that you, he kind of compares you somewhat to mad dog. He sees you doing like a show like Mike and the mad dog. So, Hey, hopefully you'll get there. There was, it's funny. You mentioned the uh, making an ass of yourself. There was a guy in radio this year uh, in New York sports radio, different station who came on after a Sunday, it was a Monday afternoon. He did not know what happened. There was that crazy uh, chargers ending. And he was like, Oh, what chargers ending? And it was all over Twitter, obviously stuff like that. Can't yeah. That's to me, that's unacceptable. And listen, I'm not, I don't even know who it was not to, not that I care to be honest with you, but like, that's the sort of stuff that to me, if I'm a listener, it's going to bother me. Like we're all watching the games and I'm not saying that you have to be the quote-unquote expert on what's going on with other NFL, you know, teams, but have a have a clue. You know, like the NFL, it's not like it's an Angels, Diamondbacks, Monday night game. The NFL, from games to the national TV landscape to the gambling aspect, a damn clue to what's going on. I mean, to me – Listen, if I'm a listener, that's going to bother me if I don't hear that from a host. Because if I know and you don't, there's a problem with that. Right. And it was, you know, you also had, you talk about preparation. You had from the late the late game Sunday slot on Sunday till Monday afternoon when you're on the air to see your Twitter feed and to see that thing blowing up. So that was something. Um, 
Moving over though to the NBA, you're a big Knicks fan, right? Unfortunately, but yes. I'm a huge Knicks fan myself. I can say unfortunately, but listen, I love the Knicks. And if they were good, I'd be very happy. Something that's been going on this week is people are talking about maybe the Knicks won the KP trade. A couple years later, it looks like maybe they did. I was terrified when they traded him. I was devastated. But what do you think? Well, it's crazy to think about. I felt the exact same way that you did. I mean, the Knicks finally draft someone that's an all-star. They sell him 40 cents on the dollar. It seemed like you know, typical Nick MSG dysfunction. And listen, I think the Knicks, if it ends up working out, it's not like they should get praised for the way they went about it. It's more being fortunate of the fact that Porzingis can't stay on the court and that, you know, he is not kind of meshed and gelled the way you would like with everybody down in Dallas. So listen, the Knicks, they get a lottery pick out of this thing and, you know, they're looking with two first-round picks this year. Okay. Uh, all of a sudden, your narrative and your perception of that trade is going to be different. But, like, the idea of praising the Knicks is not something that I'm looking to do. But, hey, listen, it is, uh, it's nice to actually look at the team and see young players, Barrett, guys growing and, you know, evolving, and you feel like they're taking on more and more onus and responsibility. And isn't it nice to hear, like, opposing superstar players like Leonard and Lillard and like these guys saying, yeah, these guys are ballers, you know, like hearing that from people around the league, it's not like, Oh, the Knicks, they suck. They're a joke. Like that's, I think what you talk about as far as trying to build the culture more and more of that you do, the more success you're going to have. Yeah. And you hear when Mike Breen's not doing the game, I'll listen to the opposing broadcast and they talk about guys like quickly and these guys and quickly was technically traded for Porzingis. And those guys, you hear these things. I think they should keep building. You got to keep building the culture, try and win, but don't trade. Don't make any trades. Don't make any big moves. You try and win as many games as possible to build a culture, but then you let the team naturally grow into a winning team. Well, and what you hope is Bradley Beal, let's say becomes available. He's interested in the Knicks. Zach Levine becomes available. He's interested in the Knicks. Guys that would not in any way, shape, or form look at the Knicks as a viable destination, you can become a viable destination. And listen, when you have gone, you know, one year in the last seven or eight going into the playoffs, you need that. So I I agree. I think they're going to stick with this team throughout the year, but they need more scoring. And I think it's obvious when you watch them, they need another guy who can go and get his own shot whenever. And I think it's on the wing. It's becoming more and more on the wing, maybe as opposed to at point guard because of the emergence of quickly. The one thing with quickly though, he strikes me as a guy. I don't know if you agree with this, that could play off the ball if need be. And I think that's important. Like if you had to put quickly at the two, he'd have success. Well, that's what he did in college. Okay, let's talk about the Yankees for two minutes, and then I'll let you go. Just quick preview for the season. I was upset that they didn't really do much because, like you said, they weren't hitting in the playoffs. I wanted them to kind of to shake the roster up just to kind of send a message to the current team. The counter argument is who would you get in the you know in free agency this year? And there really isn't an answer outside of them not re-signing Tanaka. But the window is now because the guys are so young. You're paying Cole now. What do you think the Yankees can do to shift that mindset and kind of become a team that can get over that bump? Yeah, I mean, all that is fair. All that is true. You were going to resign DJ LeMayu. I mean, listen, there was no getting around that. They had to bring LeMayu back. Uh, I'm glad that they did. Now, 
the Yankees are too right-handed. Here's the problem. How are you going to change that? Are you going to trade away Luke Voigt? He was one of your most productive players last year. I was interested in the idea of getting Michael Brantley. He was out of the Yankee price range. And if you brought in Michael Brantley, you were probably saying goodbye to Clint Frazier. So my big thing with the Yankees is they need to bounce back out of Sanchez. They need to keep Judge and Stanton for the most part on the field. I'm not saying that they're going to play 162 games, but they can't be out for 80 and 90 games like they've been the last two years. I mean, it's just it's painful. It's tough to deal with. It's tough to watch. It's frustrating. Um, pitching aspect, I wanted to knock him back over Corey Kluber. They're going with a guy with more upside. They're going with a guy that they believe, if he's physically right, is a legitimate bonafide number two starter we're going to see about that the tie-on move i love because they didn't give up anything in the farm system that is really going to hurt him he's tight with Garrett cole he's got really good stuff to tommy john's cancer he's a tough kid like that's the sort of guy i'm looking to bring into my team so i actually think the yankee pitching will be fine remember they're getting severino back they're getting domingo herman back at some point um i think they'll be okay there Listen, they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to be in the postseason. Have they changed the dynamic of the team to be a better postseason team? Right now, I I think the jury's out on that. We'll find out in October. The same in October. Then I think you have to really start thinking about, well, how do I change the fabric of a lineup that, just for whatever the reason, not producing? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. The upside is tremendous, but of course, it seems like maybe this team – for some reason doesn't click. All right. Last thing is on the Mets. They're still the Mets. That's the good news for Yankee fans. You could trade for Lindor and I take no pride and joy in what happens in the Mets organization, whether it be with Callaway that's coming out now or with the GM or with the owner, what he was getting into on Twitter over the stock market, but they're still the Mets. And that kind of makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, listen, I get that, especially when you heard, at least I did from a whole lot of Mets fans that, the team was signing Springer and LeMayu and JT Riamuto. And listen, they've had a good offseason. Lindor is a stud. Carrasco was a great pickup. Their bullpen is a lot better. But, you know, I wonder now, all this stuff that's come out about, which I'm not going to blame Alderson and the Mets on, because listen, the Indians didn't know. The Angels didn't know. It, it, to me, that is far more of a Mickey Cowley issue than it is a meta issue. And you want to tell me it's more systematic within baseball? Totally fair. I totally get that. I'm not going to roast the Mets on that. But you wonder now, Porter, Cowley, if there's anything going on with Bauer, does that maybe take them in a position when they say, we don't want to go down this road just because if indeed there's another bombshell to come out, we don't want to be the team associated with it? something to think about yep um bonus question i'm not a huge golf fan i think i'm not mature enough to appreciate it if you had to give an elevator pitch to someone say here's why you should be a golf fan go oh man as somebody who just likes to play the game it's a great distraction you get super competitive you get to explore some beautiful beautiful golf courses and you get to hang out with your buddies you know have a couple of drinks wager on a couple of holes it's Listen, for my friends now, it's the only activity we want to do. And maybe it's because COVID has, you know, prevented us from hanging out in any other way. But, I mean, listen, golf is great. I And I stink. Highly recommend being into it. It is one of the best things I've done 
you know, 2020 COVID running and golf can't get enough. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on JJ plug, whatever you got to plug real quick. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. JJ after dark uh, tonight, before and after net basketball, we're on Monday to Friday, the evenings on the fan catch me on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Geico sports, not S and Y. And I think that solves it. Follow me on Twitter, John underscore Jastrzemski. Then you can uh, figure out where we're going. Awesome. That was awesome. The guy is so high energy. He's the same guy off the microphone, off the air that he is on it. We talked a little bit before and after the episode. Super cool. Had questions. Just a really great, nice guy. And I'm so happy that I was able to do that. So thank you, JJ. Coming up, we got more episodes. I'm going to try and do three episodes in three days. I'm going to do my Super Bowl preview. I haven't been on here really since after the championship game. So I got to break those down. Talk about the Super Bowl. So much fun action going on. That's going to be coming out tomorrow. Until then, see ya.
Take it with you when you go. We said you can't.